good thing. So welcome to Cross Timber. It's a great day to be here in the house of the Lord, and we look forward to joining together in worship. So whether you're you're sitting here right in front of us or whether you're one of the folks that tuned in online, um, whether you've been here for more times than you would probably be able to count or whether it's your very first time, we just want to welcome you in the name of the Lord, invite you to involve yourself in in the singing and in the, the reading of Scripture. We'll be reading from Ephesians, I would tell you the chapter, but I don't remember right now. Um, Ephesians 3, and it may be Ephesians 4, but if you get to Ephesians 3, it may just involve change, turning one page, so that won't be too bad in a moment. There's also a bulletin that's available as the order of service, lets you know the songs and what's coming up next. And so, anyway, just want to welcome you here across Timber, the name of the Lord, and we are glad you came this morning. Would you stand and sing with us? Heaven came to see earth, rob us on the Lord's holy earth. He became a living word, show the human heart is worth the world. Whether I'm in want or pain, whether I'm in health or ill, our God promises his children he will, he will. You'll bind up the broken hearted, oh he will, oh he will.
Good news, I found my notes. It's Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 17 about this new life that we have in, in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. 
Paul writes this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Gentlemen, will you come? Join with me in prayer, please. Father God in heaven, we do lift your name in praise and give you honor and glory. For we know you are the one true God. Be with us this morning. Open our hearts that we may hear your word. Dear Lord, we want to give now just a portion back to you that you have given to us. And we thank you for your son Jesus and the price he paid on the cross for our sins. And we pray in his holy name. Amen. Lord, I don't know what to pray As I get down on my knees to pray same old phrases come to mind, but you've heard them all a thousand times. It's not that it's untrue when I say, Lord, I love you. It's just that I want it to be more, more than words. I want my prayer to be more than words. Thoughts my heart alone can speak As you listen to me tell Of all your power and mercy Lord, you know it's my desire What you hear is more than words 
as I open up this book and read of all the love it took for a holy God to care for man. Oh, Spirit, help me understand. It's not that it's unclear. It's a letter to children. But Lord, I know it's meant to be much more, more than words. Not just letters on a page, more than words. With every line and every phrase, draws a breath of inspiration from a caring Father who gave the gift of His Son. Prove He loved us more than words. As I consider quietly the wonders of all your abilities it's more than I can comprehend and I find myself in need again but if I had every word and a thousand years to use them what you are to me would still be more oh so much more More than words, more than words, more than words. Oh, 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 oh. what you are to me is more than Christ alone 
was lost, I was in chains, the world had a hold on me. My heart was a stone, I was covered in shame, till he came for me. I couldn't run, I couldn't run from his presence, I couldn't run. find your your place you can turn to Romans chapter 12 and just was thinking as we concluded that that song that if you walked away with one thing from here this morning I hope that it is that you know that you are loved by God 
not because of anything you could ever do, not because of how wonderful um, you, you think you are, and you are not unlovable because of the things that you think you have done, that God loves you, His thoughts are toward you, and He desires the very best for you. So just hear that from the Lord this morning. You are loved by Him. And His ways are good, and He wants your life to be exactly what He intends. And the Word says that He wants it to be an abundant life, full of blessings as we follow Him, never trying to escape the fact that it won't be easy, but at the end it is always it is always worth it. Romans chapter 12, this morning we're going to, to wrap up what I would say a brief look is at the mind of Christ. So in these four, three or four weeks, we've, we've tried to, um, to look at something that honestly you could spend um, the entirety of, the, of your life striving towards and you could find more to um, look at. It would be almost as um, foolish to say we've learned everything that we need to know about the mind of Christ this morning as if I said... You know, in 30 minutes, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about astrophysics or, or neuroscience or something like that. Um, it would take probably less than 30 seconds for me to tell you what I knew about both of those things combined. But it would barely scratch the surface. And so we're going to start today. We're going to gain some principles from Romans 12. And my hope is that after this, You'll continue to pursue this idea of what the mind of Christ is as you, as you pray, as you open up your, your Bible, and as you trust in God to do His work in your life through the Holy Spirit. But thus far, we've, we've learned some principles. We've learned that Christians have the mind of Christ. It's the default state of those who are children of God. And over time, the hope is that your thought life becomes more and more in line with the thought life of Jesus. And it really is a lifelong journey. And maybe journey is um, it's probably better replaced with the word battle or, or struggle. And that that mind of Christ is the mind of a servant. It's, it's humble. It's obedient. It's self-giving. So we're going to look just for a bit this morning at this lifelong journey, this journey really toward transformation that is possible in Christ. It involves our mind. It affects our brain. And the end result is that it changes our outlook. It changes our life. Now, I did a little bit of reading about the human brain, and um, it weighs about three pounds. Um, you know, some of you may be big-brained, and your brain may, you know, weigh a little bit more, but that's probably more from all the information you've gained um, throughout the years. But it's the part of your body that God designed to tell the rest of the body what to do. So there's voluntary actions, you know, like, like smiling, frowning, waving, walking. And then there's involuntary actions, things you don't really think about, you know. I mean, you don't have to tell yourself to, you know, well, I'm going to let my heart, heart beat. You know, up, it's time to get up. I need my heart to start beating, right? It just naturally happens, hopefully, even though some of us, as you get older, need some, some items to help assist in those areas. But to help maybe simplify, it's the, the mind that God gave us is what functions inside our, our brain. It's those things like our thought life, the perceptions we have, the reasoning we have, the sensations that we 
feel and the memories that we log away. And what we're going to see today is that we can actually change or renew our mind and that renewal of mind leads to transformation and it is a transformation that starts on the inside and shows on the outside. And so, in short, the mind of Christ resists conformity to the world's outlook apart from God and embraces the transformation possible in Christ. Now, if you read these first two verses of Romans chapter 12, and I hope you've read through the book of Romans. If not, I encourage you to do so. It's a wonderful um, just letter that explains the righteousness of God, the lack of righteousness that we have, the righteousness that is available in Christ to all who put their trust in Him. And then the end of the book tells us a lot about how we can live the righteous life in Christ and the results of it. But in verse 12... Paul makes a shift from mainly teaching or doctrine to the doing, the the actions. And he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Lord, we just ask for your help this morning. We've been looking at and studying about the mind of Christ. And we know that without your help, without the truth of your word and the power of your spirit, that it's a futile um, endeavor. But Lord, we thank you that you do provide your help. You desire for us to know your mind and to seek after your ways. And so we trust in you to help us this morning. Lord, help us to remind that we're loved by you, your grace is sufficient, and you want what's best for us. And you want to change us over time to look more like you. And we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to share some information with you, which if you really want to get technical, it's really fourth-hand information, but that's okay. It's documented. You can find the same thing in a textbook. But I was reading some information by Dr. Richard Ross, who is a professor at Southwestern Seminary, teaches youth ministry, has done for years who is referencing a talk given by Dr. Rick Yaunt, who is a retired professor from Southwestern Seminary, who is referencing information that he had prepared. So that gets you to me forthhand. And what we can learn, and you can, you can find out for yourselves, is you know the human brain is amazing. And we are just now, in the last 20 years, starting to understand a lot about the brain. And in fact, 95% of what science knows about our brains has been discovered in the last 20 plus years. And what scientists are starting to figure out is that God had already revealed most of these things, all of these things, in the Bible. Some of them were revealed 3,500 years ago when the books were written. And so in some way, you know, the brain study that people are doing is catching up to what the Bible already knows. Now, this can make you scratch your head or maybe make your brain hurt, but inside your brain, there's over a billion nerve cells called neurons that are kind of the building blocks of the brain, and each one of those neurons makes between 1,000 and 100,000 connections. It's colloquially called the brain's wiring system. Technically, they call them neural pathways. 
And it's the thoughts or actions repeated over time that form pathways inside our brain that establish patterns and behavior. So think about a road. You know, the more you travel along a road, the more familiar you become. I'm amazed when we, we drive around with Samara, and um, Samara, based on you know, the way that I, I turn or the bumps in the road, can give me a pretty good idea of where we are um, when we're traveling. And you could probably do the same. The more you travel a road, the more familiar it becomes. And so brain science tells us that the more you think about something, the more it creates a, a pathway in your brain that gets easier and easier to travel over time. Now you may already be thinking ahead and think, okay, that could be really great, or that could be like not so great, or even bad. The good is people that are involved in sports. You know, practice and repetition build muscle memory, which is a good thing that they can create the same motion or form over time to, you know, hit a golf ball, to shoot a basketball, to hit a baseball. You know, they make those things part of their daily routine. So that's one good example. A a not-so-good example is, you know, those bad habits or impure thoughts or negative thoughts that we let rehearse in our minds are attached to sinful acts. And the more we think about those things, the easier it gets to go to the place that we maybe never intended to go, or maybe we find ourselves enjoying that we're there, but then we deal with the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of the question, how did I get here and what can I do? But the good news is, even though those pathways are very strong, they're well established, they're not permanent. Science tells us about something called neuroplasticity. We're going to use the term renewing your mind. And the truth is, you know, even though You know, your grandparents may have told you you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, even old dogs can learn new tricks, and your brain can form new pathways. And it can literally, through our work along with God and the Holy Spirit, we can change the circuitry of our brain. Now, it it takes focused attention. It's, It's work. But it's guided and helped by the power of the Holy Spirit, It's informed by God's Word, but the result is transformation. So just, you know, you think about it, you know, a mind that becomes programmed to worry can be transformed into a mind that trusts God. A mind that is filled with impure thoughts and a desire to to seek them out more and more can be changed. Habits, thoughts, addictions can rewire our brains, but those established patterns can be broken and new patterns can be established when we put our trust in what God can do to renew our minds. So way before any of this neuroscience stuff was even listed, Paul sits down, writes a letter to some Roman Christians. They're living in Rome. Roman Empire is full of persecution full of sinful actions. And so the environment, really, other than the fact that technology is not present, is probably not a lot different than what we live in today. And after 11 chapters of Paul speaking about the righteousness of God that's available to us in Christ, he begins to unpack some practical results of this righteousness. I love the way Philip's translation says this. 
he, he says in Romans chapter 12, he says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, that God gives his call for us to be a living sacrifice and to live transform life. And so the mind, you know, is, is the front and center object in these verses. And there's a battle that goes on for control. There's influences from the outside that appeal to our fallen human nature. And there's an influence from the inside for the Christian through the Holy Spirit that appeal to the renewed spirit we have in Christ. Now we have to be honest and we have to know that apart from Jesus, that our mind is helpless. It's um, it's going to be ruled by sinful thoughts, desires, and the ways of the world. But for the Christian, there's a difference. That with Jesus, you are a redeemed person with a redeemed mind, and you have a new self. And in that new mindset, with the mind of Christ, that we can battle against that old self, sinful thoughts, sinful desires, and we can see real, lasting change. So the challenge is that a redeemed person that has a redeemed mind is supposed to have a renewed mind. Now, renewing the mind, as we read in Ephesians, involves taking out the old stuff. You know, it involves honesty with God, confession before God, repentance before God, that changes those thought patterns. And then you bring in the new stuff. You replace the the lies and the impure things with truth. And we trust in God. He's the one that does the changing. But He wants us and we have to be willing participants. So from this passage, in the time that we have left, I want us to think about really three principles of having a renewed mind. That we are to resist conformity. We're to embrace transformation. And then we trust God for the results. And so in this idea of resisting conformity, if you have your outline, the first thing there is that there's pressure from the outside. Now we see Paul gives us a negative command. Do not be conformed to this world. Now the thought, the idea of conformed is to, to form something according to a pattern or a mold. You, know, you think about some material that is placed inside of a mold. The mold is pressed together. You open it up and all of a sudden the blob or whatever you put in there or the block takes on the shape of the mold. In this case, the mold that we're talking about is the world or the age that we live in. Now, we're not talking about the, the world as in you know plants and trees and buildings and things. We're talking about really the mindset or the outlook of a world apart from God, that in every way is separate and opposed to God. So that means thought patterns are anti-God and against God's law. Actions are filled with lawlessness. And this mindset of the world, this age, is set on seeking out what human beings desire. It's, it's a me-first type of outlook. does not want God's input. It doesn't want God to intervene. In fact, it laughs at God's standards. And this world constantly puts a pressure on us to shape us into the same world of the world. Now, all people, apart from Christ, naturally fall into this 
mold. I know you like to think you were a good person, but you never ever weren't a good person. You might be nice, and some people might like to be, but you know, the Bible's clear, nobody is good. We're all, you know, we were all born under the pressure, being pressed into this mold. But Galatians 1.4 tells us that Jesus came to rescue us from this, to transfer us from, the Bible teaches, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But because we still live in a fallen world, that transfer from darkness to light doesn't isolate Christians from the influence of the world. Team that with the idea that the fleshly nature that we still battle against really likes the things the world has to offer. And you can see that it leads to a day-to-day struggle. Now, some of those influences, and we probably won't list them all, but you think about basically all forms of media, television, radio, you know, you stream stuff online, talking about images, you know, we're talking about words. They all affect our minds. Political ideas and agendas affect our thinking. Pornography and unbiblical views on sexuality are another area. Materialism that people deal with. I've got to have this and I need it now. Popularity and striving for success. These and many more work to shape our minds and our actions. Now, this is kind of a silly question because most of you didn't grow up with social media around. Um, But probably most of us didn't know what a social media influencer was until probably the last 10, 15 years. It just didn't exist. But there are people online that have a presence, that have followers, that people follow their lives, they listen to their words, they watch their videos. And then, in many ways, they they imitate their actions. So if if somebody pops up on social media that's an influencer and they like something, then all of a sudden everybody else likes that and has to go get it. In fact, the Stanley, Stanley Company revamped its you know, hard hat lunchbox image um, because of their leaderships tapping into this very idea. And all of a sudden, you know, just you know, a cup some dude probably has in the back of his truck that never gets washed because they don't want to get that coffee seasoning out of it, is thrust to the forefront where everybody has it in every different color. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the back of the truck, who cares, it keeps coffee hot, becomes this gotta-have-it metal cup and it's all along this pathway of influence because somebody said this is what you need to get and then somebody got it and they said you need to get it and all of a sudden everybody's got to have it to the point that you know riots start at starbucks because they make one that's that's pink or red or something or whatever other color paul's concern is much more serious than what kind of cup you drink out of, or what color it is. It's about the influences of the world that that program our mind and his encouragement to us and to the Romans where, you know, you're not helpless in this fight. You, You have a choice and help is available. Phillips, again, in his translation, and if you haven't read the the J.B. Phillips translation of the New Testament, it's just, it's wonderful. It just helps put things down in in just plain language. He paraphrases this verse and says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Now, what is that going to involve? It's going to involve us taking our mind off the wrong path and setting our mind on 
the right path. Look, think about this verse. Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3. I don't know if it's on the screen. It's probably not. You may just want to jot it down. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. So you see there's a change of focus. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Died to what? Died to the old self, alive to the new self. And your life is hidden, protected, secure in Christ. So Paul gives us the negative command first, what we need to stop. And then he points to the pathway toward change. And he signifies that with a three-letter word that is very strong in meaning, the word but. Now, some cases it's just somebody, you know, struggling to say what's next, but, 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 but. But in this occasion, it indicates that there's a strong reversal of direction, that we were headed this way, but now we're going to head this way. He tells us that we should resist change from the outside, you know, reject the world's influence, but we can't stop there because that's just trying to fix ourselves and that'll never work, that we need to prepare for change on the inside. And so that negative, you know, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. God wants to change us from the inside. He wants to begin his remodeling project, his restoration project, from the inside. And that word he uses is be transformed. It's a word we get metamorphosis from. Think about this, um, you know, the very hungry caterpillar, wonderful reading, great illustrations. I invite you to to read it. Um, I recommend it wholeheartedly. You could probably read it in one setting. I'm just kidding. It's just a kid's book. Um, but I do, you know, but that very hungry caterpillar, what happens is it goes through a transformation, a metamorphosis, and it becomes a butterfly. And Paul is wanting us to know that there can be a change, a complete transformation. Interestingly, this is the same word that they use when it talks about Jesus being transfigured when he's there in the air, you know, that he took on a completely different form. They knew it was Jesus, but he didn't look like Jesus. He looked like you know, this super bright, godlike person. That our corrupted mind can be cleansed, and beyond cleansed, it can be made new. And over time, what God does is this work of transformation inside us. Little by little, over time, to make us more into the likeness of Christ. And so since, remember earlier, it's our brain that tells our body what to do, God starts the transformation by transforming our mind. And as the Spirit transforms our lives, He does it through the renewing of our minds. He says, be transformed by the renewal or the renewing of your mind. Those translations that use the word renewing just remind us of the fact that it's an ongoing process. It's not a one and done thing. It's a daily, moment by moment requirement. But if we want to be a part of that, we have to have the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We have to be ready for that. We have to have the truth of God's Word in our hearts. And what we're looking for is this renewed mind that looks at things through the lens of God's Word and trusts the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we'll see where that comes into play in a minute when we talk about you know, determining what God's will is, that good and perfect will. Now we have to understand, and you may, you probably already know this, but it's worth 
repeating, you know, God's Word and God's Holy Spirit always work together. God's Word is never going to contradict the work of the Spirit, and the work of the Spirit is never going to contradict the work of God. And the Holy Spirit never works to exalt Himself. He only points people toward Jesus. So it's easy as you're, you're practicing discernment in your life, if you know, somebody tells you or you have this feeling that you think is from the Holy Spirit to do something, and you start looking and you think, okay, wait a minute, this is not what God's Word says. Well, then you have an easy call to make there. Okay, obviously, I didn't hear something correctly. In the same way, you know, when we see something in God's Word, we can trust that it's the Holy Spirit's work to apply it to our lives. They work in perfect harmony, and they work to renew our mind. Have you ever been part of a renovation project, you know, where it's just time to, to, to make things fresh and new, to get rid of the, all the old stuff and to make room for the, the new stuff and then to bring in the new stuff? This happens many times with people that own, you know, rental property. They want to freshen up things before the new tenants get in. So maybe they change the carpet, they paint the walls, they do a, a deep cleaning why? Because there's going to be a new resident there, and they want things to look nice. Well, when God saves you, His Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. And He's a new resident. He's a permanent resident. And at that point, you become His renovation project. Now, it's not immediate. It certainly doesn't happen overnight. He doesn't do it against our choosing. We have to choose to cooperate with the Spirit to renew our mind. And that cooperation involves that rejecting the ways of the world. James talks about you know, that worldly wisdom. James chapter 3, if you want to look at it later. And then seeking after the wisdom that is from above. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us that we should take every thought captive to obey Christ. I read that verse the other day and I was thinking to myself, you know, it says take every thought captive to obey Christ, which means there's not a thought that we have that is not under the reign and the influence of the Lord Jesus. You know, I've always thought about thought, well, that's just that means you just got to not let those bad thoughts get out. No, but that means you take your bad thoughts and your good thoughts to the Lord and you say, God, I want you to be Lord of my life, even my thought life. So he wants it all. And then Colossians 3 says that we're supposed to set our minds on things that are above. First Peter 1.13 tells us that we have to have a ready mind or prepare our minds for action. All under the idea of taking off this old self, which we read earlier in Ephesians, and putting on the new self. Or as Ephesians 4.23 says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What does that involve? Putting off the old self is not conforming. Putting on the new self is being transformed. As one commentator said, it's this lifelong reprogramming of the mind that over time, your mind becomes more like the mind of Christ. And you resemble, little by little, more and more of the way God wants you to think. So don't conform, but be transformed. And then we come to another preposition, that... which signals he's going to tell us the product of 
the renewed mind. This is what the renewed mind is going to produce. See, when you're transformed on the inside, it's going to show on the outside. And so the third thing is the result in your life. So there's pressure from the outside, there's change on the inside, then there's a result in your life. See, the goal that we're headed toward in renewing our minds is to understand what God wants from us and then to, to move forward by putting that into practice. Now listen to the way Paul tells the Romans, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I love um, D.L. Moody, and um, it's said that D.L. Moody would, um, would put initials beside passages in the Bible, and he would put T and P. And it was, it was tried and, I can't remember the P. Proven. There you go. See, y'all are D.L. Moody's. Um, tried and proven. He would write that beside. And so this is what, by testing, it means that he'll find out that God's word is true and God's word is proven. And then he says, he gives us those adjectives, it's good, acceptable, and perfect. We'll look at that in a minute. But I just have to, to mention, and maybe you saw this because you, you know what D.L. Moody said, Henry Blackaby um, passed away yesterday. Yeah, I went to be home with the Lord and if you've ever been a part of his study experiencing God, wow. I mean, just changes your outlook. You know, knowing and doing the will of God is the subtitle of that. Reminding us that God's always at work and his invitation for us is to join him in his work. Some of the idea of what Paul's getting at here. When we learn God's will and we accept the invitation to follow it, then we begin to experience the benefits of living it out in our life. That there's a change of thought that leads to a change of action, and we begin to see how it pleases God, how it is good for us. And it starts, you know, we, we learn over time that it's God's, it's God's will that always achieves His purposes in our lives, even though sometimes we find it painful and difficult, and it always brings God glory. And so as we test and prove God's will, we find out that waiting for us is the experience that we can have of joy and pleasure that come from obedience that's motivated by love. That we see those things in the Bible, those directions for our life, not as have-tos, but as get-tos. We see them not as prohibitions, but as privileges and the way we live our lives as we refuse to conform but we allow ourselves to be being transformed is, is a testimony to others around us. It's an encouragement to other Christians. It's, it's bewilderment to, to non-believers that make them think, what's going on in your, your life? In fact, Dr. Lauren Cranford, um, who I actually had for, for Greek in, in seminary, produces, um, he has a website called Cranfordville, and was, it's his continuing um, purpose as he, he lives in a retirement facility, not only to teach the Bible, but he's working through a commentary on the New Testament. And um, this is what he says about these verses. Not, be, not conforming and being transformed enables us to test out God's will. Out of our life experience, we come to understand how God wants us to live, and then to see just how wonderful this way of living 
really it. You know, along the way, as you, you try to do this, it can be easy to become discouraged. You know, you might think, oh gosh, this is just too much. You know, the, the pressure is too great. I'm just too messed up and I don't know if I have it in me. And, and you might just think, this is just impossible. But then we're reminded, what does God's Word say? With God, all things are possible. Or we may fall into the trap of believing things will just always be the way. They're just going to be the same. Anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And in the process of being renewed from the inside, day by day. Or we could maybe become disappointed when we think we're just making slow progress. But let me just remind you, progress is progress. Little by little, over time. And all the while, there's just a call to trust God and allow God to do His work. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, I'll just write through these Philippians. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Beloved, He loves them. He loves them enough to be brutally honest with him. It's going to take work. And he uses the, the descriptive words, fear and trembling. He doesn't say just jump in and it's all going to be smooth all the way. Just work it out with fear and trembling. Verse 13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know, I think about the illustration. I think that, you know, um, Jeremiah about, you know, the potter and the, and the clay. And you think about, you know, what it means to be, you know, be formed by, by God. And just imagine yourself to be that lump. Um, if you're like me, you feel like a lump sometimes. And as God is forming us into a useful vessel, there's going to be pulling, there's going to be pushing, there's going to be bending, there's going to be shaping, there's going to be fire if we want it to be useful. It's God's work in us, but it's both to will and to work for His good pleasure. It may not be easy, probably not going to be, but the end result is worth it when we submit ourselves to God's work through His Spirit. We say, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm going to want to conform. I'm going to start rebuilding those pathways by Focusing on things that are above, allowing God to renew my mind because, you know, it's the mind of Christ that resists conformity to the world and keeps on resisting conformity and embraces that transformation that is possible in Christ. Now, I'm not even going to suggest that I've explained this um, fully, but I hope this at least begins to whet your appetite to realize change is possible. Your brain can be reprogrammed. There's so much stuff out there. Um, there's actually um, there's actually a field now called neurotheology, <laughs> which looks at um, how your brain um, can establish new patterns. Um, it's interesting reading. But I just want to give you a little practical guidelines before we're done. First thing is, how can we cooperate with God in the renewing of our mind? 
you know, first thing is recognizing two forms. Where you find, okay, I'm in a pattern that is obviously sinful, obviously worldly. You know, sometimes God points those out. Sometimes we need to pray honestly, like the psalmist, God, search me and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the path everlasting. Recognize. This is the first thing you have to do. God brings it to our attention. We have to acknowledge it. And then it's just repent. You know, repent's not just saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry. Repent is that change of direction. It's the point that we come to when, when God speaks to us about the need for salvation. We realize we can't do it our way or the way of the world. We have to do it God's way. And so that word repent means to change directions, to turn away and to turn from sin and to turn toward God. So you recognize repent. Then you just rely on God, trust in Him, realizing it's nothing that you can do. It's not your strength. It's not your ability. It's His. And then you begin to replace the lies with the truth, or begin to establish good pathways. And you have to remember that those are, are deep ruts that are well established, so it's going to take time. It's going to take endurance, but it can be done. All along the way, you need to rest in your relationship with Christ. It can be wearisome. It can be easy to want to give up. In fact, you're Flesh will tell you that you should probably just get up, give up. It's not going to work anyway. It's not worth it. But if you're resting in your relationship with Christ, you're going to remind yourself over and over again, I'm loved. I'm accepted. God is for me. He's not against me. And then we've got to ready ourselves for service. Say, God, what do you want me to do? Because you always have to remember the outflow of the mind of Christ is the heart of a servant that goes and does things for God's glory. So that's just some guidelines. Again, it's just it's simple, simplified, maybe too simple. But keep in mind in the process. Just remind yourself of this. It helps to fight against discouragement. God's the one that does the transforming. And that change takes time and effort. But just remember, God knows you. There's a typo there. I'm Speaking of typos, we found out earlier that, um, according to our roster, Jimmy's been serving on the uh, Transportation Committee since 1905. Um, so, Jimmy, thank you for your service. Um, we appreciate that. So, God knows you. He knows who you are. He knows your struggles, and He loves us anyway. And then be reminded, God's grace is sufficient. And let that just encourage you that when you say, I can't, God says, I know, but I will, and to keep trusting in Him. Because this transformation that Jesus wants to do in our life is both real and it's possible. He wants us to be able to discern truth, to follow after His mission, to transform our mind, to be more like His, and to grow closer to Him each and every day. He wants you to have His mind. May this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. Now, a few weeks ago, I began with the first verse of a hymn. And I want to close out our study with the remainder of the hymn today. Um, you'll see the verses on the screen, and then we'll pray. But Kate Wilkinson, back in the 1900s, wrote these words, May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day. For His love and power controlling all I do and say. May the Word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour. 
so that all may see I triumph only through His power. May the peace of God my Father rule my life in everything, that I may be calm to comfort, sick and sorrowing. May the love of Jesus fill me as the waters fill the sea, Him exalting, self-abasing. This is victory. May I run the race before me, strong and brave, to face the foe, looking only unto Jesus as I onward go. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we look to you, because who could we come to but you? You alone have the words of life. You alone are the living water. You alone are the bread of life. You alone are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are above all things, in all things, and for all things. You hold all things together. And so as we come to the the closing of our, our service, we turn our hearts and our minds to you. And we say, God, may our minds be yielded to you. And may the mind of Christ, our Savior, live in us from day to day. Lord, help us to see that we're not our own, that we were bought with a price, that you paid the ransom for our sin, that while we deserve death, you give us life by faith in you, that we don't have to live like prisoners to the old way of living, but that we can embrace a new way of living. Change is possible in our hearts through your Spirit. You can renew our minds and give us new desires, new likes, new wants that line up with you and your plan that seek to do your will and bring you glory and you're for our good and for our pleasure. So Lord, we lift our lives up to you and say we're yours. Help us to learn what it means to be living sacrifices. To be in the process of transformation into the likeness of Jesus, your Son. And what it means to renew our minds. We make this request as we trust in that you will do the work that we can. And we pray this in your name. take a few moments to, to listen to the Lord as his music plays and maybe maybe it's the realization that you know you want to step out of this conformity of the world and step into renewal in Jesus for the very first time and to place your your trust in him that it's just turning from sin and turning toward God and receiving the free gift of salvation that he offers to you or maybe just as I was talking, you were thinking about some thought patterns and some actions and things and thinking, you know, I know that's not of me. And I know that, you know, I've excused it. I've tried to hide it and or maybe even run for it. But today I don't want to run away from you. I want to run towards you. Power to conform and I want to be transformed. Maybe it's a burden on your heart that you need 
prayer for, you're praying about, and you just want to use these moments to lift that up before the Lord, or maybe it's just a decision you need to make, a choice that God has offered to you and that you want to accept. And you can do that kneeling at the front, sitting where you're at. If you need someone to pray with you or for you, you can just grab a brother or sister next to you, or I'll be at the front waiting. But the piano's going to play, and we're going to listen to the Lord. So let's do that together. We could play a game of name that tune, but um, we won't. But I will tell you that um, that is the tune to May the Mind of Christ My Savior. Um, I don't normally play name that tune with our um, with Jackie, the piano player, but this morning I, I handed her this. Um, first of all, I know because she's very talented. Second of all, because it was only two lines, um, and I felt like she could probably handle it. But I wanted to hear that, that melody to those words. If you're interested, it's May the Mind of Christ My Savior. It's not in the Baptist Hymnal. It's written by Kate Wilkerson. And if you go to hymnary.org, um, you can print out the words and sheet music just like this if you're interested. I appreciate you being here this morning for your attentiveness and just trust that God's Word and His Spirit will do His work in our lives. I want to remind you of a few things before Michelle shares about an opportunity um, that we have coming up very quickly. Um, First of all, Valentine party tonight, 5 o'clock here at the church. Dinner, desserts, and fun. So if you are a, a soup maker, we're thankful for your soup. If you're a salad bringer, we're thankful for that. And if you are a dessert person, um, we're glad that you are bringing dessert. But we ask you to just invite you to come. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interactive. And um, I guarantee you that you will have a good time and you'll find at least something um, that's meaningful. That's tonight, 5 o'clock here at the church. Um, along with that, we'll need a little help after we're done just setting up some tables to be ready for that. Second thing, I'm just to remind you that the 14th day of each month, which in February happens to be Valentine's Day, um, is the day that we set aside as a church to pray for um, revival and spiritual awakening um, in our community in Johnson County. And so um, 
just if you set aside time at home or work or wherever you might be on Wednesday and pray for that. Um, third, we have opportunity next Sunday to bring items for Harvest House, and they are in need of several items which are listed there um, that we can help provide meals and, and easy to prepare things for families. Um, next, if you um, did not get a chance last week to sign up for the, the youth dinner, the hosting some youth in your in your home, um, um, please do so this morning. The sign-up sheet is out the door to your left. Um, the, the nearest opportunity is February the 25th. There's also um, another opportunity in, a- in April to do that. But if you are willing and able, I want to have two to three um, of, our, of our youth students to be in your your home, please sign up for that, and um, and Jeff will be in contact with you. And then now Michelle is going to going to share with you about the upcoming opportunities. Um, out on the back table, I printed a few of these flyers. Um, this is an opportunity to actually meet um, one of our tran- who is our translator also when we are in Africa. Um, his name is Jeremiah Motomoto. This uh, he's also the um, He's the he's the Lake Area Evangelist for the Tanzania Baptist Convention. So he's kind of he's one of our main leaders that helps us when we're over there. But what I wanted to share with you is that out of our travels to Tanzania all these many years, this ministry has been birthed and it's called Hope is Strong Ministries. And as typical Jeremiah fashion it started out as uh, feeding the children over there. There are many, 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 many orphans in the town that he is, that he, where he lives, and the church that he pastors. But it, now they're also ministering to widows and all of these things. But he's going to be here in Texas and in this area for a week, and he will be speaking, and they will be sharing about this ministry on. Sunday, March the 3rd, it starts at 5 p.m. There's food, there'll be food trucks, and then he'll begin sharing about the ministry at 6. But you do need to, uh, they are asking for you to get tickets. It doesn't cost. They're just trying to get a head count, so there's that information on here. So come meet Jeremiah. He's amazing. His last name, Motomoto, just so you know, in Swahili means fire, fire. And that's the way he preaches. Coming <laughs> up on March the 3rd, that's a Sunday evening. If you want to be involved in that, pick up one of the flyers, and there's a QR code on there that you can, can register as well. Um, I want to thank you for being here. I invite you to, to stand up, get ready to sing. Um, if you're able to help move some chairs in a few moments, that would be, be great and set up some tables. But I just want to thank you for being here. Pray that the Lord blesses you this week. Let's join together as we sing, and then when we're finished singing, you'll be dismissed. Jesus, he loves